Ephesians chapter 6, that's where we'll be today, just one verse, a very short verse. I want to make some points off of that verse, hopefully uh, they'll be, be, be meaningful to you. Um, we're introducing a new sub-series, uh, you know, as I preach through Bible books, uh, the Bible's covering different topics, and, and we're coming to the end of Ephesians, and it's a, it's a passage on spiritual warfare. So I'm going to start a, a mini-series on spiritual warfare. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how many sermons it'll take to get through it. Uh, I, you know, I could do, uh, I could predict, but I'd be wrong. Um, I know it'll probably take a week for each piece of the armor, at least. Uh, and um, and I knew that was going to happen. That's why I went ahead and did this. I'm going to read you something a, a little bit later on, so please forgive me for holding this like this. But... Um, and there it is. I found it. Good. Um, but as we get into this, I just want you to understand that, and I'll go ahead and say this at the very beginning, as, while I, because I'm doing this, I'm painting a target on us. Okay? We're, we're, we're going to be scrutinized even more so by our enemy. And so because of that, weird stuff's going to happen. Y'all looking at me real funny. I'm not kidding. It, we're, it could be minor. It could be major. I don't know. It could just be aggravating. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes the devil just wants to peck you to death by ducks. You know what I mean? Just, it's like, it, if one little peck doesn't hurt, but when you get a thousand or a million of them, it starts to annoy you a little bit. And uh, This morning, uh, uh, Pastor Bobby got to make announcements. That mic didn't work. I took, got up here, turned my mic on. My mic didn't work. I, I had to, couldn't figure it out. Somebody had unplugged it from the board. Who goes back there and unplugs lines from the board? Nobody does that. It was just there. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, I mean, somebody just did it for whatever reason, forgot to plug them back in. I don't know. But, but I'm just pointing out that all of a sudden weird st- stuff starts out. It took me about three minutes this morning to even figure out the mics. I finally just took this one off, grabbed another one. We were struggling with it. I appreciate uh, my brother uh, uh, figuring it out between services. But, but just stuff's going to happen. And and, and, and this morning's kind of an introduction into it, and I'm going to talk a little bit before we actually look at the Scripture. But here, here's what I found in any society, in any group of people, in any church, there's always a segment, a, a, a percentage, and I don't have a, a statistical number for this. I just run into these people. And they have a, uh, you could call it a Pollyannish view, if you, if you know what that means, a, a, uh, a, naive, a naivety, a, they're naive, uh, or, or it could just be like an ostrich head in the sand kind of idea. And, and by that I mean, and it's this, they think people, they think basically evil doesn't exist, that, think that, that things are okay. It's just a little struggle. And, and what they don't realize is we are at war. We're at war. Now you say, well, I'm not at war. Well, that's fine, but I got some news for you. Your enemy is. John chapter 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. We were going over that in staff meeting a week or so ago. Pastor Kareem, at the end, uh, as he does sometimes, says, Pastor, may I say something? I said, sure. You know, I mean, it's open. You can say anything you want, but he's always very respectful that way. And and uh, he was saying, I, I'm afraid your English Bible ha- ha- hasn't told you enough about this verse. And so I said, okay, well, illuminates. And he was telling us in his Arabic Bible, and, 
and, and, and, and the language is really from the area in which the Bible is written. He said, this word in your Bible says kill. He said, that's like a deer comes by, you shoot it, and you killed it. He said, that's not this word. This word is, and he did this, slaughter. He said, it's the word for when they killed a sheep, when they slaughtered a sheep, and they bled it. He said, it is why ISIS cuts heads off on camera. It is a humiliation. It is a, you can't go to heaven, basically kind of idea in their minds. He said, and when, an, and when a Muslim comes to faith in Christ, the first verse we teach them is, for thy sake we are being slaughtered all the day long. I'm just warning you, the devil wants to kill you. But he wants to do more than kill you, he wants to slaughter you. Now, some people get all scared. Don't get scared. Don't be afraid. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And that's what today's sermon's about, battling from weakness. All right, we'll come to that in just a second. But here's what I want you to get. You say, I I don't want to get involved in that because it scares me and I'm not sure what to do. Did you not hear what I just said? He's coming after you anyway. You better get ready. You better arm up. You better be ready to fight because your enemy, the the devil, wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. He wants to tear your life apart. He wants to totally take you out of the picture. You know what war stands for? We are ready. And, and, And you've got to understand, things are not as they seem. And we'll get into that as we go into it because it says our fight's not against flesh and blood, right? So things aren't like you see it. There's something behind that. There's an enemy behind that trying to kill us, trying to to get to us. And I'm going to do my best not to sensationalize this uh, just to, you know, satisfy that appetite. Um, The problem is sensational stories keep popping in my head. And uh, I I don't want many times I'm just not going to have time for that, but... But I don't want you to, just to get all of this is exciting, I want you to understand there's a very practical warfare that you and I have to do. So today's just by way of, of, of encouragement, of introduction, and there is danger, but I want you to be courageous, and I want to challenge you to do something. Uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, everybody knows that story, Jesus uh, was seen in his glory there by James and John and Peter, and Peter wanted to stay on the mountain. He said, no, we got to go back down. Do you know what you're talking about? And they come, and, and hardly anybody ever knows what happened right after the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, three disciples just saw Jesus in his glory talking to Moses and Elijah. That's crazy, number one. And, and now they've got to leave. And what did they face when they left the mountain? The Bible says they came down the mountain, and they faced a demon-possessed boy in the valley. And his dad came to Jesus and said, hey, I brought my son to your disciples. I couldn't do anything with it. And so Jesus, you can read the story on your own, but he eventually casts the demon out that tears the boy and all this stuff. And and, uh, Jesus picks him up. He's fine. And, And the disciples later on said, how come we weren't able to do that? And he said in the King James Bible, it says, this kind only comes by prayer and fasting. And so... I, I, I say this with humility because the Bible says not to talk about it when you do it. But, but Janice and I have decided that during this series, one day a week, we're going to fast that we might give that time to God. Now, there, there's nothing magical about fasting unless you make it, and it's still not magical. It, it's a spiritual thing 
But, it, but what you're doing is you're telling your body, you don't tell me what to do. And you're quieting your body, which is always screaming with its urges. Feed me. Make me feel good. Let me rest. You know, it's always, and, and so we have to fight against that sometimes in this life. Not that our bodies are evil, but our bodies are weak and they're limited. And, uh, and, and so many times we give in to what our body tells us. And what you're doing is saying in the authority of Jesus... You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm listening to God. You remember when the disciples found Jesus at the well of the Samaritan with the Samaritan woman? And, and they, they said, hey, we brought you some bread. And he said, I got, I got bread you don't even know about. Remember that? And they knew he hadn't eaten. And they started going, did somebody feed him? What's going on? They didn't even understand what he was saying. And there's something spiritual about fasting. But let me also just go ahead and warn you. If you fast for one day, that's miserable. If you fast for two days... It's really miserable. And if you fast for three days, it's the height of misery. After that, it gets better, okay? After that, it almost doesn't matter. You can go on and on and on. But, you, but, but I want to encourage you and challenge you, if, if you feel light of the Lord, don't do it just because I ask you to. Isaiah says, we fast to break the, the bonds of our enemy. And, and in fasting, we are saying, I don't care what my body says, I don't care what, it, I only care what God says. Now you say, well, I can't do it and all that. That's fine. And, and, uh, and, and I just want to encourage you, if you want some help with that, you can talk to me. Uh, as everybody should know by now, because I say it all the time, but I'm a diabetic. I've been a diabetic for 50 plus years now. All right? And, um, and to make a long story short, and again, with, with as much humility, I hope, and, and just to encourage you as I can, um, I went 40 days without eating anything solid. So if you think you cannot, come talk to me. After 20 days, I realized, you know, you really don't have to eat. It's amazing what will happen. So I just want to encourage you in that. I just wanted to warn you. And, uh, and my phone shut off. Oh, good, it's still there. Um, let, me, let me read something to you. I, I've gotten to where I started uh, putting something out there on, on the Internet uh, almost every day now. And uh, I, I really, I'm just copying and reposting a devotion I, re- I read, but now I've started adding to it, kind of like this is what the guy's saying and just my thoughts on it. And, uh, and p- some people are responding, at least two people are reading it. Um, but um, if you're on Facebook, you can read it. I just do it on Facebook every day. But the other day I read a quote, so I looked it up. I looked up the actual quote, and sure enough, the guy that I had read it from had misquoted it. So I wrote how the guy originally said it, and I just posted it because I found it interesting. And I, I knew if we were coming to this, I was studying it, and, I, and it hit me. And it was a guy named C.T. Studd, and he was a maniac for Jesus. All right, he was just crazy. And here's what he said. Let us see to it that the devil will hold a Thanksgiving service in hell when he gets the news of our departure from the field of battle. See to it you live in such a way that the devil will hold a thanksgiving service in hell when he gets the news of our departure from the field of battle. This is the same guy that said most people want to live within the sound of chapel bells. I want to run a rescue ship within a yard of hell. I mean, this guy was a maniac for the Lord. He, he was amazing. But I read that to you because of this. A friend of mine from my past it was the first guy to comment on, and here's what he said. I always thought it was weird that people believed in the devil, like he was another deity of some kind. And so I wanted to explain what is going on here, and this was the best description I ever 
came up with for this, and I guess because I was writing it out in this format, it, I had to be more succinct. And, uh, and my wife said, you know, don't read it, just tell the story. And I said, I never said it better than this. I got to read it. This is, this is really good. Well, I, I think it's good. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. My, my mom thought it was good. No, <laughs> my mom's with the Lord. I was just joking. But it says this. I wrote, not a deity. And listen carefully. The most powerful of created beings. That's who Satan is. He's the most powerful of all the created beings. He is a creation. He was, he was an angel. His, his job was, we believe, for music. He was beautiful. He was the angel of light. All right? So uh, that's who he was. And, but here's what I write. Not a deity, the most powerful of created beings, and was foolish enough to rebel against his creator who offered him no forgiveness. It is impossible for Satan or the fallen angels that we believe are demons to be saved. There's no redemption for them. They had one shot, and the, and the ones who blew it, they're condemned forever. Their end is hell. And by the way, Satan don't own hell, and God owns hell, and hell don't rent. Hell is where Satan is headed. I know, and, it's, and we say it in church, and it's popular, but he's not running hell. He just wants you to go there with him, where he can torture you and, and play with you for eternity. All right, excuse me, my mouth's getting dry. All right, let me go back and reread it because I've started interrupting myself. Not a deity, the most powerful of created beings, and was foolish enough to rebel against his creator who offered him no forgiveness. A much punier creation, man, rebelled as well. And God became man in order to redeem man. No wonder the devil hates mankind. You've got to understand that. Well, Thank you. I, I, I appreciate your applause. But that's just our truth. That's what we understand. But we don't live in the reality of that. And now we're called by our commander-in-chief to enter the battlefield and fight a spiritual battle every day with an enemy who's more powerful than us. You know, just he's super equipped. He's got tricks up his sleeve we hadn't even thought of yet. And he's always seeking to kill and destroy us. The Bible promises that, Peter, that he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You read Job 1. Guess where the devil is? I tell you he's not in hell. In Job 1, he's reporting before the throne of God. He's got to come into heaven and, and tell God what he's been up to. So that bends my mind. Yeah, mine too. I don't get it. But remember, God's, and devil says, hey, what about Job? Or God says, have you, have you noticed Job? Job's pretty... Cool. Thanks, God. You just sold him out, man. And the devil said, ah, oh, he's like that because you protect him. Let me take away what he's got. See what he does. You can read the story in Job 1 and 2. You think that's just a story? You think that's an allegory? No, that's what happened. And Job maintained his integrity. He, did not, he never denied God. And the Bible lets us know that Satan is looking for somebody he can devour. And it could be... Our family, your family. And he's after our kids. You, you just heard that report from Renee and, and, and what's going to be that the, the dinner they're having. The devil wants to kill kids because they're a more vulnerable, ta- vulnerable target. And uh, you wonder why kids are into all the bad things they're into that are hurting them. It's because of Satan. Listen, there's only two forces in the world, God and Satan. Right? 
So everything you see was energized and motivated by one of those two. And you've got to figure out which one. Am I making this too simple? I mean, that's it. You know, because, and again, we just go, oh, well, it's not that bad. It's okay. This is all right. No, it's either, and you say, you can't be that black and white. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> the Bible is pretty much that black and white. So, so I, I, want you to, I want you to get that. And here's what I want you to take home with you. And then we'll read the verse. Go ahead and put it up there. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And then the strength... Of, no, no, no. Back it up one. Or no, go forward one. I'm sorry. Go forward two. I apologize. If you fight from strength, you lose. If you fight from strength, you will lose. Now, I could add, I could add a word that would help you here. Or a couple of words. If you fight from your own strength, you will lose. That's what I'm saying. Let, let me just tell you, the day before Muhammad Ali died, I would not have gotten in a ring with him. I mean, the day before Mike Tyson dies, I would not get in the ring with him. Because I don't care how old the guy is, how weak that guy is, he's still more powerful than me. I mean, in some forgotten corner of his brain, some rhythm is going to come back to the forefront. And if he hits me, I'm out. And if you're going to climb into the ring with a champion, you better be ready. And Satan is a champion fighter. Don't make that mistake. So let's look at this, this verse, and then I want to show you another verse. Stand up with me real quick. This is Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, don't you like it when preachers say finally? It only means you only got an hour left now. <laughs> finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Notice there, there is, there's some modifiers in there. Uh, there's, there's two things you got to see, what we're to do and what is the source of that. And so would you pray with me for a second? Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name for your word. I pray that you enable me to make clear and plain what you've made clear and plain. I wouldn't confuse it, but I would make it where we could understand it. Lord, uh, thank you for your love and, and thank you for your strength and empowering. Thank you that Satan is defeated, that he's already been whipped. But Lord, he can still trouble us so many ways. And, and uh Really, we have to give him room to do that. We have to open our lives up for him to do that. You said give no room for the devil because he always comes in. He'll take whatever we give him and he'll use it to, to destroy us. So, Lord, help us to be diligent and vigilant. Help us, Lord, to fight the good fight. Just like Paul who fought it faithfully and he fought it uh, to the end. He said, I've finished the course. I've fought a good fight and I've kept the faith. Lord, may we be that way as well. And uh, just help us today. Right now, we bind our enemy in Jesus' name. We ask for freedom. We ask you, Lord, to rebuke Satan for us. And help us to, to just open our eyes and our heart that we can see the truth of your word. Amen. And thank you. You, you can sit down. I want to read you another verse just to kind of describe what I wanted you to know. If you fight from strength, you, you'll lose. It's a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. And here's what Paul says. Now, Paul, we think of him as the greatest Christian who ever lived other than Christ. I'm not sure you can call Christ a Christian. He is the model of Christianity. I guess he's the original Christian, but he is the Christ. And we are imitators of that Christ. And that's why we're Christians. 
But 12.9 of 2 Corinthians, Paul, the greatest Christian who ever lived, more than likely said this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul had a weakness that he did not like having. Paul was that kind of guy. He didn't, he didn't want to be weak. He wanted to be strong. And so three times in this passage, you can read the context. Paul asked God, take away my weakness. Please take away my, take away my weakness. Because he knew it was a vulnerable spot for him. He knew the devil could get him in that weak spot. And God said, nope. I'm going to ask you to live on my grace because my, my, I am made, my power is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, Paul, I don't want you stronger. I want you to depend on my strength and let me be stronger in you. Are you following me? Did that make sense? Okay, good. So when Paul is writing over here in Ephesians, he says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. He lets us know and that, that our strength is not in ourselves. We come to this place in, 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 in the book of Ephesians where he says, finally, and, and I've I got some points up there, but here, here's what he's saying. You can look at them. But we need to know this to apply the previous truths of this book. In Ephesians, we learn that what it means to be a true Christian in the, in the first couple of three chapters. In the next couple of chapters, we learned how to be a faithful Christian. And that's by being filled with the Spirit and living a Spirit-filled life. And that's in our relationships and everything we do. We are to be Spirit-filled and be led by the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, we need to know... This, this verse, to fight future battles. And here's what he wants you to know. You're not strong enough in yourself. So he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, I don't know if you noticed when I read that and as I've talked about it three times, according to your translation, but each time those words is a word that means power. You could read this, be powerful in the Lord and in the power of his power. And so, trying to get some English words in there to give it some variety, we say, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. But these words all mean strength or power. They have some part of that. And, and before I describe those three things, I want you to catch something in this whole passage. Because we're starting here, we're going to end down in verse 20. But I want you to look at verse 18. There are two things you need in spiritual warfare. And that is God's power, and you better be praying. In verse 18, count in your head how many times the word prayer or something that means prayer is said. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end, uh, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. In that one verse, he says prayer four times. Uh, he, he says to put on the armor in prayer. Uh, uh, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Back up in, in, uh, verse, uh, uh, in verse 11, he starts talking about putting on the armor. And, and he says that as we put on the armor, we put it on in prayer. We, we, uh, in, in verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you can withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You've got to understand that it is in the power of God and in prayer that we get clothed for battle and we battle. And so these are kind of bookends, and this is the introduction into it. Be strong in the Lord, power of his might. The very first thing Paul wants you to know is you've got to battle from weakness. 
So many times you say, oh, I wish I was stronger in the Lord. People say, oh, I, I'm so weak. My faith is weak. Yeah, duh. God knew that. That's why he said in Psalms, I remember your frame, you're just dust. You know God says that about you? God's kind of, you think he's insulting, but he's just speaking the truth. He's kind of blunt about the truth. He knows you're not strong. The disciples they had 5,000 men plus women and children following Jesus around. And the disciples come and went, um, tap Jesus on the shoulder. Jesus, it's been three days, they hadn't had anything to eat. You want to let them go home? Because they've been miserable. I tell you, third day, not eating, you're really miserable. So they got 5,000 cranky men plus their wives and kids. And none of them have eaten for three days. And Jesus said, no, you feed them. What? We can't feed them? How are we going? What are we, we don't have enough food. And if we, if we had, it would take a, a bunch of money to buy enough food and we don't have any money. And if we had the money to buy the food, there's no 7-Elevens out here and we can't go get any food. And Jesus said, what do you have? Oh, we just got a couple of loaves and some fish that we stole from a kid. He'll bring that to me. And he blessed it and broke it and they fed a multitude and there was plenty left over for them. You see, what he was trying to get you to understand is, I know you didn't have the power. I know you didn't have the resources. I know you don't have the strength. But you know me. Bring it to me. I can handle it. And I can do it for you. Right? He uses us. We bring it to him. We give it to him. He blesses it, breaks it, gives it back. And we distribute it. But he had to do the miracle, right? Yeah, we're, we, just, we just are the beneficiaries of those miracles. So, I want you to see in this thing that there's three words there. Basically, they mean to enable, they mean to give authority, and they mean to empower. And the first time he uses it, it is the word, the root word means enable. And so it means to empower or increase in strength. He says... Be strong in the Lord. Be enabled in the Lord. Let the Lord be the enabler for you. Let him give you what you need to get the job done. Because you don't have the, what it needs to get the job done. You following that? You know, it'd be like, <laughs> uh, I, get, I get a job as a nuclear physicist. No. And I walk in and some guy goes, man, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And he says, let me help you. And I go, no, no I got it. <laughs> And I, we are as Christians. I got it. Nope, don't need you, Lord. I got it. And then we do a face plant and realize we needed the Lord, right? That's what this word means. Let him enable you. Let him make you where you can do it. Be enabled, it says, in the Lord. So he is the source of our help. It is his enabling. It's what he can do f- through us. This word Lord is master. And he wants to enable us to be able to do what we're supposed to do. Because we don't have the strength. Satan is too strong. He's too powerful. Let, let me try to illustrate that a little bit. This illustration is not the, a perfect one, but no illustration is. But let me, let me just help you a, a, a second. Um, there, the, the, the most effective form of unarmed self-defense is called jujitsu. I don't know what that means, but that's what it's called. And, and, the, most, and the best form of jiu-jitsu is from Brazil. And so they call it, are you with me? Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Good job. Yay. Y'all are with me. It was developed by a family 
known as the Gracies. So it's Gracie Jiu-Jitsu or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now, if you, if you know more than me, please don't come embarrass me. I, I'm getting the general truth here, okay? And it, and it came to the forefront back in the 90s when there was this, this very bloody sport that somehow they, they got where they could do it, and they called it the Ultimate Fighting Champion. And what they did is they'd let a kung fu guy go in with a boxer or a karate guy go in with a judo guy or a Muay Thai guy go in with whatever. And they just went in there and last man standing basically. And there was this guy that wasn't the biggest. He wasn't the smallest, but he wasn't the biggest. His name was Hoist Gracie. And this is all in, Brazil, in, in, in uh, Portuguese. So Hoist is spelled R-O-Y-C-E. Gracie spelled G-R-A-C-E. So it's Royce Grace to us, but Hoist Gracie in their language. And he whooped everybody. He beat guys three times his size. And most of them, he never bloodied them. He just got them in a position where if they, they knew if they didn't give up, they were about to be at broken half, and so they'd quit. They'd go, I'm out, I'm out. That's called tapping out. You hit twice, that means you got to let go. There were no rules in this competition. They could beat him, they could do anything they wanted to him, and nobody could beat him. Well, two of his nephews came to America, and they are the guys that are doing it in America. They live in California, and they put out there on the Internet videos where they talk about it and oh let's watch this guy fighting on the street and here's what he did wrong here's what you should do and all this they made a video about what to do if you as an individual are attacked by more than one person and they said you know you, you see it in the movies guy goes in he gets surrounded by 10 guys you know and they pull the Clint Eastwood thing or whatever and they beat all 10 guys and, and so here are the two guys who are masters of the most effective non-weapon self-defense Brazilian jiu-jitsu and they looked at the camera and they said if you are accosted by more than one attacker here's the most effective and best thing you can do and by the way everybody in here can do this so you really want to pay attention he said run <laughs> said you can't win because they can overpower you there's more than one guy there there's more than one attacker and the more there are, the faster you should run. Run, run. Said, if there's a perceived leader and you can get a shot in, knock him down so you can get away. Knock him down, then run. Run, run, run. That was their advice. I'm listening to the best guy, fighters, some of the best fighters in the world. And they said, run. Well, you can run, but you're going to run so far from the devil. Because usually he goes home with you. He comes to church with some of y'all. He's everywhere. I'm just telling you, he, he can't be everywhere. Only God can be everywhere. He's got enough helpers that they're around. And I just want to apply that in this way. If you think you can beat him, you can't. And so the Bible's going to tell us how to take a stand instead of running. We run from sin. We run from temptation. But you've got to fight the devil. And, and, and so as we get into this, he's going to tell us about how that armor helps us to combat him but if you fight because you think you're strong you're going to lose wasn't this illustrated by David and Goliath David said I'll take him on and Saul tried to put armor on him he goes I don't know anything about this I can't handle that and he took the armor off and went out and did what he knew how to do but it was an illustration not about not wearing armor because he's telling us to wear armor here but it was an illustration that you can't do it by man's power it can only be done by the Lord's power so be strong, be enabled in the Lord. Are you with me? Was that too long of an explanation? The next part of the verse, he says the word strength two more times. 
He says, and in the strength of his might. God seems very repetitive, doesn't he? It's because we didn't get it the first time, I guess. In the, that first word there, it, it, it means a dominion. It means an authority, basically. It, it, it's the word vigor, it's life, it's strength, but, it, but, it, but it, it means an authority that he's so strong, he's more powerful, he's over everybody. But the, the next word for, for strength, the word for might there, it means force. It means a forcefulness, a, a power that is able to do it. And I can illustrate both these things this way, very simply. I get on 262, and the road is wide open. Nobody's in front of me. That never happens. Speed limit's 55, but nobody's on the road, so I'm doing 75. And one of the guys in the church pulls me. And they should, and they should ticket me. But he pulls me. But guess what? I'm not me. I'm some guy that's 6'6", 280, 5% BMI. And the cop that pulls me looks like Barney Fife. And he walks up to the window and says, license of registration. And I said, why should I give that to you? And he does this. You see that badge? License and registration. And I said, what if I get out of this car and I just whoop you? You want to try? He's got the authority and the force. And he's licensed to use it. In that second part of that verse, he says, you get your authority from God, go into all the world and preach the gospel. There's our authority. There's our command. God has sent us into a world that is dark in need of the gospel light. And he's given us the badge, the authority to go do it. Lo, I'm with you always. He's also given us the power. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Now, does that mean you'll be safe? Now, listen, one of my mentors, I asked him about that. I said, man, when you get into all this, won't you get hurt? He said, probably. He said, you'll get nicked, you'll get hit, you'll get wounded, lie down, heal, get up and get back in the fight. That's what we got to understand. That, yeah, it's a danger. There's things out there. But to cower at home trembling just means you're going to get killed anyway and you won't even have done anything. What he's telling us is be strong in the Lord and get in the fight and do something. You see, because it's not about us, it's all about Jesus. Note the source. It's the Lord. He can do anything. He is ready to do anything. He said, I'll be with you at all times. In Revelation, John sees this multitude of, of people and they are they're singing praises and they're praying, and, and the angel says, you know who they are? He goes, no, I, I don't know, you tell me. He said, these are the ones who've washed their robes in the blood of Jesus. They're the martyrs that lost their head. They're the ones that died for the cause of Christ. And now they're victors in heaven. You see, you can't count. We, we try to live like this life is permanent. It's not. You're going to die anyway. You might as well die engaged in the fight. Fighting our enemy who wants to kill us. Because it's not about us. It's, it's about Jesus. He is the source. And notice his command. Be strong. 
How? In the Lord, in the power of his might. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The command is to be strong, but how do we do it? It's in the Lord. And so we got to have both those things. You got to understand that moving forward. That if you try to fight the devil by some trick that, that Oprah or Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz or somebody told you, you're going to lose. This isn't about self-help. This is about putting on the spiritual armor. This is about getting alone with God and getting to know Him. So that you will understand that He is the source of your strength. And that you have a command that you cannot ignore. Listen, tomorrow morning, if you're, if you're still employed, you're going to get up and go to work. Guess what you're going to find there? Spiritual darkness that needs the light of Jesus. Some of you are going to go home today and find it in your own homes. Some of you may go to school and you'll find it in the hallways of your school. And I don't care what school you go to. There is spiritual darkness around us everywhere. And if we walk with, you know, I about to said two things that couldn't be true at the same time. But as if we walk around with our heads stuck in the sand... Suddenly that became a physical impossibility in my head. I couldn't say it. But if we walk around just not realizing we got enemies trying to kill us and kill our neighbor and kill our friend and kill our family and kill our church and kill Christianity. And this isn't a physical fight and we'll get into that. I don't want anybody running out of here, you know, thinking we're calling for a physical crusade. No, we're calling for a spiritual crusade of believers that will be filled with the Spirit. Now, how do you do that? You, you, you do that by being empty to self and being filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I, it's in what I want you to do this week. I, I got some long sentences up there. I'm going to leave the long sentence up right down if you can. But I'm going to give you a shorter version. First, don't feel guilty about being weak. Do not feel guilty about being weak. You are weak. And until you acknowledge you're weak, you can't get strong. You following that? Moses thought God called him to deliver the Israelites, and he was right, and he went out and killed an Egyptian. And God said, that ain't the plan, dude, and put him in a wilderness for 40 years. He had to come to the end of himself, so when God finally called him, he goes, not me. Uh Uh-uh, I'm not good enough. God said, oh, yeah, you are. You just need a little training. Paul, man, strong anti-Christian, killing Christians. God knocks him down, saves him. First sermon he ever preached. They tried to kill him. They had to let him out through a window, drop him in a basket to the ground so he could get away and not get killed. And spent three days, three years, I mean, in a wilderness learning about Jesus. He already knew more Old Testament than anybody else, but he needed to learn more about Jesus. And he came to the end of himself, spent three years. Peter, the most outspoken, most powerful disciple Jesus had. Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And at the end of the book of John, we find Peter on a beach with Jesus saying, do you love me? He goes, yeah, I love you. He goes, no, you don't. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. No, you don't. Do you love me? Uh, a little bit. Uh, well, you, you, you're getting there. You got trouble, man. Peter had to come to the end of himself so that 10 days later, he could stand up in front of a multitude of people And preach a sermon where 3,000 people get saved. You think Peter did that? No, 10 days earlier than that, Peter was just still Peter. 
And even after that, Peter was still Peter. He still messed up. Quit feeling guilty about being weak. Until you come to the end of yourself, you can't say, you know what, I can't handle this. God, you got to do something for me and let God start filling us. Third thing I'm going to tell you, we'll tell you about that. Second thing, though, is acknowledge your need of Christ. More than just coming, if you come to the end of yourself, that leads to despair. Oh, I'm just horrible. I'm terrible. God can't use me. I'm just going to curl up and die. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat worms. I mean, you know. No, don't go to despair. When you've realized that, come to Christ. Acknowledge your need of Christ. And listen, if you're lost here, dude, the devil's got you. And the only way to get rid of him is to come to Christ. And if you are a Christian and you're trying to work this out for yourself, quit. Stop. Don't do that. Acknowledge Christ. You love the verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. In all your ways, well, trust in the Lord with, lean not to, whose understanding? In all your ways, and he will. Why don't you believe that? Why don't you believe that? I got to figure it out. What am I going to do? How are we going to handle it? God's got it. Let God do his thing. And third thing is use the means of grace. To be enabled. Now you say, what are the means of grace? That's a term we use. But it means, read your, it, it, it sounds so cliche-ish, we miss it. But friend, let me just say something. If you open your Bible, God speaks. You close your Bible, God shuts up. He is not going to lead you apart from this. So you better find out what he said. You need to pray. That's where you talk to God and really he talks back to you. That's when in prayer he brings to mind the things you read in the word. You need to fellowship with other believers. And you say, we don't meet every, every day. I know, we meet on Sundays, but guess what God gave us? When I was a kid, I thought it was so cool that on Star Trek, they go, beat me up, Scotty. I thought, how cool would it be to have a little device where you could talk to anybody anywhere at any time? And then they invented these, and I hate them. I can email, though. I can text. I can Instagram. I can Facebook. I can get a phone call. Oh, this is a phone? I didn't realize it was a phone. Okay. I can do all that on this little device. So text a brother. Call a sister if you're a lady. Email somebody. Man, you got to pray for me. I don't know what's going on. Just pray for me. I'm struggling with this. I need help with that. See, we come to church, put on our nicer clothes, put on a smile on our face. How you doing? Fine! Doing great. No, you're not. And we got to quit doing that. we got to start saying, I need prayer about this. I, I, you know, not that we walk around doom and gloom, but listen, fellowship will help you. Witness. Tell somebody about Jesus. It annoys the devil when you do that. And when you start talking about Jesus, it will make you have to live up to what you're talking about. When they know you're saved. And you'll quit doing things you know you shouldn't do. Little things, not big things. It'll make you live a godly life in front of people. Those means of grace causes you to cry out to Christ, strengthens you to fight, and you will depend on His authority and His power and His forcefulness and not on your own. Listen, you can take authority over the devil in the name of Jesus, but make sure you know Jesus. Another great story in the book of Acts. There were seven men, all sons of one guy named Sceva. And they saw Paul casting out demons. And 
I read in a history book one time that back in that day, there were these people that did exorcisms in, in Jesus' day like that. And so they saw Paul having this power, and they thought, hey, I want to do that. So these seven brothers go into one house where there's a demon there. And they said, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. And the demon said, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but we don't know you. And that one guy jumped on seven of them, beat them, they ran out bloody and naked. Listen, when you go in your own strength, you're overpowered. When you go in Christ's strength, you carry God Almighty with you. And nobody can beat him. It may look like you're losing, but you're not if you hang with Jesus. Because you're going to hang with Jesus or you're going to be hanged without him. But I'd rather hang with him. Amen? And so stick with him. And be strengthened in his power, in his might, not in your own. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 